It's time once again for Not Playing with Lex and Dan, the only podcast where Dan and I watch movies together that one or both of us hasn't seen, but we think most of the rest of the world has. I'm Lex. I'm Dan. Now, Dan, do you really think that most of the rest of the world has seen Disney's The Rocketeer? Well, it depends on your age group, I think, is the (laughs) issue. I mean, I'm surprised that you, as someone who is basically the same age as me, although I know, younger, more (laughs) handsome. Nope. (laughs) Younger and shorter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shorter uh we'll, we'll figure it out again and i know we have different tastes in some movies but this movie came out in i believe is it 90 or 91 i actually vividly remember when this movie came out and i vividly remember its marketing campaign which i feel like was extensive for the time like i feel like it was a, it was a big marketing budget for the Rocketeer. well i think it was a big push in disney because it was it was sort of quote-unquote new ground right this was not an era where there was a bit of a superhero bump then. I mean, Batman had come out only a couple of years earlier, and um, Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade came out a couple of years before this. So I think it was trying to capitalize on some of that, and it has ended up in something that's much more of a, I think, more of a cult classic. I mean, for a Disney movie, as much as any Disney movie can be a cult classic, I think it is one of those underappreciated movies. And again, because you, like me, were probably, what, 10 or 11 when this came out, it felt like right in the wheelhouse of like, this is a movie kind of targeted at young pre-adolescence. So I'm a little surprised, but I know this is the whole point of this show. Movies slip through the cracks for both of us. Now, I will tell you a fun fact really quick, because this is relevant. Please? Absolutely. This came up this morning. This morning, uh, I got up and I went to take a shirt out of my drawer. I just grabbed the first shirt, and my wife put away a bunch of shirts recently, and she left them all inside out. Not a thing I do if I'm putting away laundry. Uh, so I didn't know what shirt it was, and I put it on, and I realized it's a Rocketeer shirt. Nice. <laughs> I laughed a lot because I was like, oh, we're watching the Rocketeer today. So yeah, I feel our, our recording today has been blessed. I love that. I, so here are the things I know about The Rocketeer, or the things I think I know. Sure. Number one is, I feel like I recall it didn't do well. Like, I feel like I recall, it, and I think that's part of what you're getting at. Box office-wise? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it struggled, especially because, you know, we're talking Disney putting a lot of money right. behind it. On the, exactly. It's the same way, like, a Pixar can have a movie that makes $100 million, and it's considered not a success, yeah. even though it made $100 million. But here's the things I know. I recall from the movie poster that the Rocketeer wears red. <laughs> and True. you mentioned the you know superhero movie stuff. I don't even know and I've been thinking about this all day. I don't know if the Rocketeer is a superhero or not. Like well, that's, I, that's a dis- that's a discussion we can have after the fact okay. perhaps. What makes a superhero, right? Like that's mm, fair. Yeah. There's a semantic. But like I think of it, I believe that it's, you know, he's going to strap on a thing that makes him be able to rocket around. And that is literally all I know. Okay, I do quit. know the only other fact I have in my head about this movie is <laughs> this is ridiculous, but fully true. I said this to my wife this morning, and she's like, Is that a joke? And I'm like, No, this is really true. I conflate this movie with the video game uh, about the paperboy. <laughs> <laughs> for no reason like somewhere Paperboy? they in the video game Paperboy. yeah yeah okay yeah sure and for some reason it occupies like some of the same brain space there's other things where this happens in my life like certain names occupy the same thing so i will like like 
can think of two names that are totally different as being the same name and use them interchangeably for people, which does not usually work for their names. But mm-hmm. this movie and something about the Paperboy video game franchise live in the same spot in my head. Don't know why. That's weird. I don't know. Quick question for you. Do you know anybody who is in this movie? I haven't looked, and okay. I have absolutely no idea. Oh, this is great. I think you will recognize many faces in this movie. Oh, good. I'm excited about this, because I... this So... This is another movie for me that is way high up in my estimation, or at least formative, I think, if nothing else. I actually have fond memories of watching this movie with my mom, too, like, which I think she enjoyed it as well. So I, I'm fingers crossed that you're going to enjoy it. I know this is not something that's always in your, your wheelhouse, but I think there's enough other things going on here that I think you might get a kick out of it. So I'm looking forward to it. Here's what hopefully is good news. A couple things. Well, one, I don't know. Like John Syracuse has pointed out to me that I constantly, in movies I haven't seen, wonder about how funny they're going to be or how funny okay, they sure. are in retrospect. I don't know that this one is, is a comedy or not. Well, I'll find out. I have certainly liked some superhero movies. I know that some are not for me. Like the ones that are more focused on action mm-hmm. than... storytelling i get less into right but like ones that star paul rudd or ones that have cool nuances i get into so like i've enjoyed Mm -hmm. it man i've liked some of the spider-men so i'm I'm open-minded on that front and then uh, you and i have spoken off mic about your having not anxiety but some trepidation about episodes like this one where i am watching a favorite of yours because like what if i don't like it and here's the thing dan even if i don't like it it's still a great movie for you and so i appreciate it on that level <laughs> but i want to like yeah, it. i don't think you're, you're not going to ruin my childhood or anything i mean <laughs> it's, it's already, already done uh, <laughs> i'm not going to stop trying though <laughs> <laughs> now there is a plot of a movie i would watch the time traveling lex goes back in time to constantly ruin dan's childhood it's like back to the future meets I don't know, something with some real big jerk in it. (laughs) (laughs) Big? (laughs) Or jerk. The Uh, jerk. (laughs) Well, the jerk. I haven't seen that either. But I'm very excited to watch this with you and to potentially watch it, Dan, with some of our listeners. I Indeed am am I. I know we've talked about The Rocketeer and other places in the Incomparable, but this is the only place where you can watch it with a live commentary from me and Lex, which you can get if you become a member of The Incomparable, which, of course, you can do by going to theincomparable.com slash members and signing up for one of our many options in membership plans, which get you a whole bunch of perks, not only bonus content like our uh, commentary tracks, but also bootleg tracks that get uh, made available before they're even edited and out for the public. Uh, You get access to the Incomparable member Discord, which has a great community in it, talking about all these shows and all the other things that we have in common on this network. Uh, You might even get some fancy swag, depending on what level of membership you sign up for. So go to theincomparable.com slash members, sign up today, get access to an entire nine seasons of not playing commentaries. Wow. It's a lot of it's a lot of commentaries. When you think about like the average length of one of these episode recording sessions, that's that's days we've spent together <laughs> watching movies. <laughs> Only rarely in person, too. That's right. Well, Lex. Yes. That concludes this viewing of the Rocketeer. Rated PG because it contains tobacco depictions. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a different time. <laughs> Would you like to uh, give some impressions? You got some thoughts? Yeah. Here's my impression of the rocket. <laughs> uh, the, so I, I, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was cute. It's, you know, you and I have sometimes shown each other movies where the current us probably rightly assumes that the other one 
enjoys partially this film from nostalgia and that's what this one felt like i said mm. that pretty awkwardly but you get what i mean like i this this is a movie that feels like you could like it more if you were nostalgic for it than if you were seeing it for the first time i did not dislike this movie i thought it was good but with that tone of voice so it was good you know not 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 good but good like i was saying to you near the end i thought it it holds up nicely in terms of the effects you know being what they could be in 1991 and it's one where you know sometimes you and i talk about whether a movie holds up in terms of plot points and stereotyping but when it's set in 1939 <laughs> it's okay for the people to be sexist or it's okay for the people to be jerks. i mean not okay but you know it's it's period appropriate but I, I I thought that there were a lot of really good performances, and I very much enjoyed the the '30s vibe of it all. Yeah, and I know you mentioned some some actors in the movie who you you know appreciated the performances of. I really dug Paul Sorvino in this movie. Mm-hmm. I especially liked you know he was pretty stereotypical mafia-esque bad guy for a while and then i enjoyed his special moment at the end when he and the fbi agent are on the same side because they're both shooting at nazis but but i thought he uh i thought he was he gave not like depth to his role but but grounding to his role in a way that i appreciate but i I really liked all of it yeah i think there's this has a strong cast i mean you know it's also a ton of people who went on to do many other things which were you know jennifer connelly and timothy dalton and alan arkin like these are all you know, super great actors who uh, do amazing. Things. Even some of the bit roles. We were talking about Margot Margo Martindale pops up there. Yeah. Eddie Jones and William Sanderson. Like, there's a ton of people. Terry O'Quinn, right? Like, I remember when I put together that that was Locke from Lost, you know. Well, I mean, you know, after I'd seen this movie decades before, right? Like, because I, right. I never saw him in anything else like this. But it is, it's just a great showcase for a ton of people. It is surprising to me that Billy Campbell doesn't go on to be famous after this, because I really don't know him. Yeah, he's he's been around, but he really sort of, I don't know, he ended up doing a lot of smaller roles. And I don't know if this movie was the one that that sort of, it didn't, because it didn't succeed as much as people had hoped, that it ended up being more of a you know his career took different a different turn i guess but you know you never you never quite know with these things yeah i mean he's quite likable in this movie no i think he's a great leading man handsome and all good things yeah i would i mean there have been many many talks about doing a revival or a sequel to this in some way and i think as i you mentioned when we were looking at disney plus earlier there is like a like a kid's cartoon that was from a few years ago and he did the voice he does the voice yeah um (laughs) billy campbell i still feel like you could do a like a he's still i think you know good enough that you could kind of do a uh revival at some point with as an older you know him passing down his knowledge or whatever yeah i i don't know there's there's i always felt like there was a lot of possibility in that but it, it really hasn't taken off uh but yeah i i am a huge fan of this movie yeah a lot of it's nostalgia i mean i saw it when i was 10 years old and i'm almost certain i ran around with a backpack on pretending i had a jetpack hmm. and i try to go to the rocketeer it's like halloween one year maybe that seems like something i would have done i so i mean uh, listen the movie has a lot of things going for it particularly when you're watching it at 10 or 11 like we get to defeat nazis again so that's always exciting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and the guy gets to fly around uh yeah. which is cool and it's it's got charm to it i think which is the other thing like it it has to me that right balance of being sort of a fun pulpy adventure with some humor you know it's not super complex drama or anything obviously but like it it manages to take a lot of boxes there i think it it definitely has a lot of indiana jones homage to it uh and joe johnston did work on many of the indiana jones movies 
so not a surprise there. Captain America, the first Captain America movie, the one that's set in World War II, was also directed by Joe Johnston and also has a very similar vibe because if you're doing a World War II movie with some superheroics in it, you should get Joe Johnston. But I um, I enjoy so much of this movie from um, the performances to the look of it. It's got great production design. I feel like it really has a distinct look and feel to it. To the score, uh, James Horner's score, I, I had the CD from this from a very early age and I played it a lot and apparently uh, it's very reminiscent of the titanic score which he would do a couple years later yeah uh, james horner is notorious for kind of cribbing from himself <laughs> so if you listen to enough james horner music you will definitely hear bits that he reuses in other places <laughs> and i mentioned towards the end there there is one cue toward when um when neville sinclair blows up with a rocket that i think is a deliberate tip of the hat to john williams raiders score at the end when the nazis open the ark and get all right uh, uh you know eaten up by ghosts and what have you <laughs> uh spoilers spoilers <laughs> for Raiders of the lost ark a movie that is uh slightly younger than me and lex i think you know alan arkin obviously did great and then i i should also call out neville sinclair whose actor's name i just lost yes timothy dalton because he was really good really hateable you were talking about how you enjoy him as a villain more than as a hero but he played it with just enough yeah clear enjoyment of getting to be the villain like he was clearly relishing getting to be smarmy and disgusting and he really he pulls it off beautifully i think, I think dalton I, he does go on to do a number of villain performances i actually remember seeing him play a villain on the show chuck which he's particularly good in but also i think famously um hot fuzz he's the oh, villain cool. one of the villains in hot fuzz too and he's great in that as well so uh you know i i think as good a leading man as he is because he is a very suave charming guy his his combination of that with the sort of smarminess is perfect for like this kind of over-the-top villain i mean we saw him we watched one of his bond movies a few seasons yes. ago and i think most people think he was probably a little bit underrated as bond but you know he only survived for two movies as james bond so i just don't think it was maybe quite the right role for him but yeah i i think he's really really good as the villain here just I think the other thing I like is we talked about this really early on. So many of the people in this are just like the the secondary characters and whatever. Just feel like the the people that you just drop into those roles, right? The central casting thing where it's like I need two FBI guys, you and you, and you're like, yeah, those guys look like 1930s FBI guys. Sure, I need some mobsters. Yep, those guys look like mobsters, right? Like it, it's not a stretch, but like it it helps make the background and the scenery work so well when it's just people who all perfectly look those parts. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was not familiar with that actor who was playing Lothar, who I think goes Tiny by Ron. Tiny. <laughs> who I will note both he and ironically the guy that he tortures to death in the hospital are both Deep Space Nine recurring characters and I think even oh. interact at several times which I think is kind of great <laughs> but it, like I, I guess what I would say is my, for my overall take was I, I don't regret the time I spent watching this movie at all some of it just is is unintentionally silly to me sure. like, I, I, like you were just referencing I like some of those stock characters but the giant face prosthetics yeah. lothar character like i think i'd probably like him more if he didn't have the weird facial prosthetics like he was just a huge intuitive guy but making him look like i don't know mutated in yeah some i way think i think that was me. a weird like i don't know why they do that if it's just that maybe the character in the comic book had a real like distinct look and they try to maybe it's one of those places where it's like don't hew too close to the comic book because right. it doesn't always look as good when you do it in real life but i agree it does i mean also that guy get definitely gave me nightmares as a kid mm. your point about jennifer Connolly's character i think they try in these sort of 
you know, game sort of uh, 1990s movie set in 1930s to give her a little bit more than just damsel in distress. Absolutely. I, I was actually impressed by it. It really seemed like... It could be even better. And like, there's definitely yeah. some, you know, some sexist bits in there that watching with from 2023 that you think you could have dropped that. There's no reason to put that in there. But yeah, yeah, I do think she still does pretty well for herself in this movie. Yeah, I, um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I give it, I give them some credit for for giving her some like she she saves herself she saves him mm. sometimes so like yeah she she gets in on the action but uh, yeah is is largely a prop for the yeah <laughs> for the movie to use I, I will give this movie some credit because I never was confused <laughs> as you know sometimes <laughs> when there's lots of flying action I'm like wait who's flying what could always tell which one was the rocketeer and. You and I were discussing before we watched, you know, is he a superhero? I would say no. Mm-hmm. He, he's a guy who <laughs> takes t- takes possession of a rocket that isn't his <laughs> and uses it. For heroics, though, arguably. Right. For Well, initially for fun, and then his plan is for profit, and then he ends up using it for heroics, but also calling causing a ton of damage. <laughs> Which I think but, is kind of a superhero staple, honestly. That's, that's fair. That's fair. But... Um, he's a good guy. He's a good guy with a rocket, I would say, more than I would consider him a superhero. Well, I mean, like, Iron Man's a superhero, and he's just a guy with a fancy suit, right? And I mean, Batman, Batman similarly. Yeah, but gadgets, I'm going, right? In this case, in this case, I'm saying he's a good guy with a rocket. Okay. that's all, right. all he has. He has no lair. He doesn't have billions of dollars. Like, these are things that I think most of our modern superheroes who are self-made superheroes, uh, I think they have to have those qualities. That's fair. That's fair. I, and I, it also becomes their calling. Yes, that is true as well. One of the planned sequels for this was um, going to involve potentially David Oyelowo, who I love uh, as a former Tuskegee Airman who gets the rocket pack. And I was like, oh, that would, I would watch that too. But I think that one's now stuck in like development hell in Hollywood, plus, you know, everything that's going on there as we record this. So I, I still feel like there's more life to be had in this franchise and you know in an era where every bit of intellectual property is mined i'm constantly sad that there is more rocketeer stuff i i love your love for the rocketeer more than i like the rocketeer <laughs> but i really do appreciate it yeah i don't know i i just uh you know it is it is a movie that also works really well within itself i think which is also kind of a treat like nowadays so many movies are set up to be big franchises and I do find it refreshing at the same time that this movie tells a self-contained story. And then when it's over, it's over. And like it's like a little thing unto itself. Yes, I actually also appreciate that. And I, I was reading some of the, the Wikipedia article that's talking about how they, they softened this movie a bit from where it was initially anticipated or where the story initially went, I guess, mm-hmm. so that it could potentially sell more kid-friendly merch. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't. You know, I, I was honestly surprised knowing nothing about it. And I think what a Disney movie is now is different from what a Disney movie used to be. Sure. And yeah. obviously the opposite is true. But there was a lot of, like, shooting in peril for what... Like, for a Marvel movie, it makes total sense. For, like, a Disney movie, it felt... It was surprising to me, not like grossly violent or anything like that. And shooting at Nazis is always worth it to me. But we also had like bad guys shooting at good guys. <laughs> yeah, I was, right. I was surprised by it. Yeah, I do like the bit at the end though. Um, one thing, a lot of the art for this focused on that one shot of him. Uh, I think it's kind of the he- quote unquote hero shot where he's standing in front of the flag on the observatory with the gun, but he never sh- he never fires the gun in the entire movie, right? Because he only yeah. picks up the gun, flies up to the ship, and immediately loses it, which I also appreciated because it showed like our hero who doesn't rely on guns or weapons to to do his heroism. 
Um, so I that is also refreshing, especially I think that was a bigger push in some ways during like when we were growing up. I don't know about you. Like I did have toy guns, but my mom was never enthusiastic about it. And I felt like there was yeah. more of a push for these sort of heroes without weapons. And I think that is like kind of circled back to like, nope, <laughs> just give the heroes all the guns. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I would agree with all of that. I would note. I I think. Well, first, as as we were watching, I was mentioning to you, the movie is very patient where we don't get to see, we know what the movie's called, we know what it's going to be about, but we don't get to see him rocketeering for a little while into the movie, which I thought was impressive. Mm -hmm. But I think the rocketeer looks cooler in drawing than he does in in the actual movie. I think it's true because like the whole thing is them, I mean, you know, someone who knows more about special effects than me will I'm sure be able to uh, explain how this was done, but I think it's essentially shot on different plates and like superimposed basically and so you can tell it's always got that look of something that was like right you know placed over it doesn't look like the lighting's not the same and the, the right. film quality's not the but, same but at i all even that. just mean like the movie poster and that that kind of That's famous true. drawing of him like he just looks so cool there and then like in the movie it's because in part it's like we made this helmet ourselves and we're putting things together like it just yeah right it's hard weird. to do it yeah. in, in real life yeah i do love the uh, theater near me in cambridge many years ago um closed but they had a giant version of that art deco style rocketeer poster and mm. and i to this day i'm sad that i didn't just walk over and be like i will give you 20 bucks for this when you're like yeah. when they were closing and like selling everything off so someday i'm gonna get myself a nice print of that and frame it up my wall because i think that the just the art deco style of it is so good well yeah. i mean I, i'm glad to have seen it with you dan and now I will understand all of your Rocketeer references that Constant. you frequently sprinkle Constant through conversation. Rocketeer references. It's true. Yes. No, I'm glad that you I'm glad that you didn't hate it, that you liked it even. I did and not. we watched it together. I'm you know, like we said, there's always a little bit of tension when you share your favorite things with <laughs> one of your friends and you hope they like it. So <laughs> That's, that feels good on my part. I'm pr- I'm glad I'm delighted to have seen it. Honestly, it, feel, it felt like it was missing. Even though, I, you know, I questioned at the beginning, is this one that lots of people have seen? I think it is a cultural touchstone, like you said, for people our age. So I'm I'm glad to have hit on it. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've wrapped that up, we are getting towards the end of this season, I believe. Yeah. Because I think you have one more pick, and then we will watch a movie that neither of us has seen to finish out the season. So do you have any ideas what we might see next? Well, I'm going to put some thought into it because of the movies left on the list, there's none that I'm excited to mm-hmm. show you. I hear you. <laughs> so I'm going to think about it some more and I'm going to end up peppering you with movies over the next week before we record our next episode. <laughs> okay. I'm here for it. Sweet. All right. Well, we'll be back next time with yet another movie to watch and for everybody to watch along with us if they want or if n- not, then they don't have to do that. But <laughs> until then. Until next time, keep watching the skies. Because you never know who you might see up there. <laughs> you never know. Could be Paul Sorvino. Why is he ever running back? He's earned it. I could remember that without writing it down. <laughs> wait, let me wait. Come alone or uh, hang up already. <laughs> wait, I have to kill the girl. <laughs> <laughs>